Thank you guys so much for listening to the Family Worship Center podcast. This podcast is our weekly messages that happen at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday here at Family Worship Center. Don't forget to check out our website at myfwc.tv and follow us on all social media. If one of these messages touched you in some way, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us on our website or on any of our social media pages. Simply put, we exist to partner with God in changing the quality of families' lives. We hope you enjoy this message. Pastor asked me to kind of continue on this series in honor, um, but he wanted me to talk about it from the place and the standpoint of voting. How do we honor God with our vote? How many of you guys are from Kentucky? I know some of you guys are, are Hoosiers in here, and that's all right. Um, but we have an election coming up on November 5th um, here in the state, and there are seven different offices that are up for election. Governor, Lieutenant Governor, Attorney General, Secretary of State, the Agriculture Commissioner, the Auditor, and the Treasurer. So a lot going on in our state. And so Pastor wanted me to just talk about it from, from that standpoint. How do we honor God with our vote? And what does that mean for us as Christians and how we are called to vote and to engage with government as a whole. So definitely not my specialty, but I hope to lay some foundation for you guys today. I'm really going to take you through the foundations that I believe that God laid out for me to help understand this better. And I, I pray it'll give you a platform to, to feel empowered and to be very clear on what scripture says about government and our role as believers in government as well. So um, next week, we're going to have somebody here from the Family Foundation of Kentucky that's going to give us a little bit more um, and talk a little bit more about what's going on politically in our state. Um, but like I said, I just want to r- kind of lay the framework and the foundation with you today. Is that all right? No? Is that not okay? We can switch it up. Let me pray. Um, like I said, not, not my strength, but I feel like God has just showed me something through his word, and I just pray that it comes across clear this morning. Let's just pray. Lord, we just thank you so much for your presence, Father God. Um, we, we tend to overcomplicate things, Lord, and I just pray that as we look at your word, and Lord, you're the same yesterday, today, and forever, and you always will be the same, Father, that um, your word would speak and pierce our hearts, Father, that it would be like a fire shut up in our bones that we can't be quiet about, as your scripture says. And I pray that you would just help us paint a clear image of what it looks like to honor you with not only the way that we live and the way that we speak, But outside of that, Lord, the way that we vote and engage with government and our state. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. So we're going to kind of just jump right in today. We're not going to talk about any sort of specific political party or anything like that. We're going to talk about God's word. Um, How many of you guys, when you hear the word politics, your butt cheeks clench up a little bit? Anybody else? (laughs) It's It's a big subject, right? And like sometimes my mind goes back to the last like... Facebook fight that I saw over politics, right? And, you know, I scrolled through the 90-some comments to see who kind of got the upper hand at the end of it. And I think there's a lot of that weight that comes with it because it's such a divisive issue. And, and as a country and, and even as a state, we're very divided. And things are more black and white now than really they've ever been. Um, and so I, I pray that, that this would come across in a way that just shows you biblically God's perspective on government and what our role looks like as Christians to be um, faithful to what God has given us and entrusted us with. Amen? So, 
I want to uh, kind of lay a foundation here um, today with just this statement. As Christians, you're not just American, you're not just Kentuckian, you're not just a Hoosier, but you are an ambassador for Christ. Right? Everybody say, say I'm not an American. I'm not a Kentuckian. I'm not a Hoosier. I'm an ambassador for Christ. Now that changes things because an ambassador represents another country in the country that they live in. And so if we are ambassadors of heaven and God has entrusted us with his word and his grace and his love and told us to go into the world and make disciples of all nations, then we are called to carry with us heaven to wherever we're at to wherever we're at we are ambassadors of christ in kentucky we're ambassadors of christ in america wherever we are god is there and so that is going to change our perspective a little bit on how we view voting how we view elections how we view government you know there was a time when uh almost all the needs in the community were met through the church there was a time where everything flowed from the church, and it was a period in like the late 1800s up until about 1920. That's why we get uh, hospitals like St. Elizabeth Hospital, and we get all of these things where the church was meeting the needs of the community. And how many of you guys know we're not quite in that same place that we once was? We've kind of been pushed out uh, to kind of the edges and the outskirts, and our access to the community is not quite the same in the natural that it was previously. And so if this is the point where we're at and we know that we're ambassadors of God, what does it look like for us to not only live for Christ, but to speak for Christ and to vote for Christ? So to answer that question, I want to talk about what God's view of government is. Does he like it? Does he hate it? Are we supposed to engage with it? Are we supposed to ignore it? What does it look like for us as believers to engage with government? And it says this in Romans 13, 1 through 7. And we talked about the scripture a couple of weeks ago in our series on honor. But it says, every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. And those which exist are established by God, which tells me that those that are in authority, that those uh, positions in place of authority are established by who? God, right? He puts the people in those places. Therefore, whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinances of God, and those who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. I love this part here. Render to all what is due to them. Taxes to whom taxes are due. Sorry, guys, it's biblical. We got to pay our taxes right there. Praise the day. Custom to whom custom is due, fear to whom fear is due, and honor to with whom honor is due. So what is God's view of government? He established it. He established authority in government. And not only does he want us to recognize that, but God wants us to vote, to be involved, to engage with government. To vote, to pay our taxes, to go to meetings uh, in our community, city council, whatever it may be, to volunteer. And if you're called to that pillar of culture, you know, there's some people that are called to the pillar of government in a society. And they are called to be a part of that and to affect that for Christ. That may be a calling on your life. And I know there's several in our body that are built that way and are gifted that way. But we're all called to engage with government. Right? So we can't ignore it. 
I know, it's sad, right? We can't ignore it. It's there, and there's a prime opportunity for God to flood in and affect our cities, our state, and our nation if we will realize this and engage godly like he called us to do with the governments that we're under, all right? I know this isn't like a hip, hip, happy, happy message, but it's so true, and there's so much potential in this. My prayer would be that you see it very clearly today, the potential that we have to see God's kingdom come here on earth. Amen? Amen? All right, so if that's what government is and God sees it and establishes it and wants us to engage with it as Christians, then what should be our guide to voting? What should be our guide to engaging in these elections and things like that as they happen? And I think there's one scripture that really sums it up because I think there's a little bit of a struggle um, in the church today and outside of the church today that people have a perspective that um, you can't dislike and, and not agree with something that somebody does but also love that person. And that's just not true. And the reason that that's not true is Christ, as he grew, grew in both grace and truth. Grace and truth. So we can have grace and, and accept with open arms just people who are broken like we were broken, but we can also have a resolve to the truth of God that affects the way that we live, speak, and vote. Amen? We can have that resolve in and of ourselves. And so there's one scripture that I feel like really sums this up, and it says, um, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of darkness and rulers in high places. You guys know that we have an enemy and it's not one another? Now, does the enemy use people at times who are deceived, who are given? Absolutely. But we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We don't wrestle against governor, mayor, president. We have an enemy who has a plan set in place for us as a country, and that is who we battle. That's who we battle. Good and evil, light and dark, it's Satan and God. So we have an enemy and it's not people. And so that's why we can have both grace and truth with people. We can have a resolve in us that what the word of God says is true and that settles it. And we can also love people in their own journey as they are working towards hopefully experiencing Christ the way that we have done. So we have to know that first and foremost, we have an enemy. It's not people, it's the devil. And so secondly, I want us to understand this is that we may live in a democracy, but for those of us that are born again, saved, amen, those who are in a relationship with God, we trade in our democracy for a theocracy. You guys know that? We trade in our choice and, and a government governed by the people, and we transition that to a theocracy which says that what God says is the final word, what his word says is the final word, and I'm going to live according to God's word because his ways are higher than our ways, and his thoughts are higher than my thoughts, and he's the ultimate authority, and that's how I live. We trade, we may live in a democracy, but as believers, as disciples, as Christians, we're called to live in a theocracy where God is king, and his word settles it. Amen? So that changes things because now we have a different worldview, a different perspective of issues that are on the ballot as they, as they come up. And guys, I don't know if you know much about this. Uh, God has really gifted our pastors to 
um, in this realm of government and understanding and praying towards it and made some really amazing connections uh, with them. But if you look at the candidates on either side of these seven positions that are up for vote, uh, there really is a stark difference between the two. There's not much gray anymore, like I mentioned before. It's pretty evident where they lie on on the sides of these issues. And that's why our governing decision-making has to be the Word of God, because we live in a theocracy. And the thing about it is, is that our highest allegiance is not to, it's not to country, it's not to government, but it's to our Savior. Amen. That's where, that has to be our foundational principle right there. So, if the Bible is our governing authority, then we also have to understand that the Bible is, is very clear on right and wrong, right? On, on all these different issues. You take marriage and family and, and babies. You take any subject and the Bible is not silent on what is good and what is evil. And so now we have this platform where God speaks his truth to us through his word, through worship, through spending time with him, and then that should be the place that we live from, from this understanding that we serve God and that his word is the final word in our lives. And so if that is the case and God's word is final, then how many of you guys know that when we are obedient to God, it unlocks God's blessing in our lives, amen? Um, it works the same in the natural. How many of you guys know that, you know, your parents blessed you when you were obedient to the rules they set in place? How many of you guys also know that we invite undue pain upon ourselves when we do not follow what has been told of us? My, my rear kind of tingles a little bit of some of the consequences growing up of some of the decisions that I made not to obey what was put before me. So if there's consequences attached to it, there's also blessings attached to our obedience with Christ. And I believe this on a personal level. I believe it on a state level, and I believe it on a country level and a worldwide level that if we are obedient, we can unlock God's blessings for ourselves, our families, our cities, our state, our country, and so on. It's not just an individual thing, right? It says that God will, in, in Scripture it says that there are no male or female, no Jew, Gentile, black, white, none of that. We're all Christians. He's the same to all of us. And so I believe that we can invite God's blessing in breath of life into our state, into our country, through these elections and our opportunity to engage with government like God says. So, um, there's a story in Scripture of Daniel. Um, He's in a few different stories, but maybe you guys have heard this one. I want to kind of lay the foundation and the framework of it, and then I want to to read a couple of Scriptures out of the excerpt. So, it's in Daniel chapter 1, and... In here, there's a, a king by the name of Nebuchadnezzar, and he's evil. With a name like Nebuchadnezzar, I don't know what his parents were thinking, but he's there, he's an evil king, and he destroys J- Jerusalem. And not only did he destroy it, but he tried to steal their religious identity. So he took things down that, that related to God, all of this stuff. They, he tried to destroy their religious identity when he, when he took them over. And then he takes a small group of men, Daniel being in this group, and he had a plan to make them the next great leaders of his kingdom. Okay? So he come in, he tries to wipe out all the things that, that, that spoke of God, that were things that God commanded the children of Israel to do. He tries to destroy all of it. Then he picks 
a group of young men and tries to train them up as the leaders. He had an agenda, let's just say. And he wanted to teach them the language, the literature, and lastly, he wanted them to eat and drink the king's food that had been dedicated to pagan gods. All right, so he kind of takes them over. He starts working his plan to replace their language and their literature and even replace the very food that they eat and kind of to try to sneak it in that it was also dedicated and offered to pagan gods as well. Um, how many of you guys know the enemy has a plan, right? He may be defeated, but he has a plan. And, and the Bible says oftentimes in a couple of different um, places in the New Testament that we need to walk circumspectly. That's a really big word. I had to look it up myself, okay? Circumspectly, basically like head on a swivel, right? We have to, be, we have to know the tactics of the enemy, right? It says that he walks around as a roaring lion, Seeking whom is made devour, right? He's already defeated. But how many of you guys know that we contend for the promises of God in our life? Amen? And so, just like the enemy has a plan, Nebuchadnezzar had a plan. He was going to replace the language and the literature and replace the very nourishment that these guys were getting in order for them to be the next great leaders of his kingdom. And Daniel wouldn't have any of it. He, at first they changed their names. And Daniel's like, I'm okay with that. You can change what you're going to call me. That's cool. No big deal. But when we get to the eating the food that's been offered and dedicated to pagan gods, I, that's where I draw the line. And it even says this in verse 8. I want to read that verse 8 there together. It says, but Daniel resolved not to defile himself with royal food and with wine. Daniel would not compromise. And guys, throughout Scripture, there are things that are in there that I would qualify as non-negotiables. Non-negotiables, right? And we are called to live and to speak, and I believe to vote according to these non-negotiables of God. How many of you guys know there's a million issues that politicians can be on the either side of? I really enjoy recreating and hunting out west, and there are some politicians that are very, like, outdoor friendly and want to keep public land available so I can go out and chase bears in Montana and all this stuff. And that's important to me. But how many of you guys know there are some things that are more important? Babies' lives are more important. Amen. Marriage is more important. Amen. Right? So I can sacrifice something that, that, that I feel strongly about, that we should steward our land well? Absolutely. But there are some non-negotiables in Christ's word that I cannot deviate from. Why? Because they're more important. And so I know there's a lot of issues that we can get our heads wrapped around, but how many of you guys know there, there are several things that as of late have been under attack in our country? Biblical principles, the very things that God has established and put in place, and there's opportunities for these to get twisted and perverted and turned, and those are the things that we are called to vote God's word in. Amen? So I know there's a lot of issues. Let's not get it squirrely. There are things that matter more. And so we have to recognize and know and see this. So just as Daniel had resolve in his heart and drew a line that said, I will not compromise on these things, 
I believe that we're called to do that as well. And you'll see that in that story, if you read it in your own time, that Daniel's obedience to have some non-negotiable things brought God's blessing in his life. He said, I'm not going to eat the food that you're going to dedicate to these pagan gods. I'm just going to eat vegetables and water. And he came out more shredded than all those other guys. His hair was shinier and bouncier. He was smarter and sharper. And they didn't understand because he wasn't eating the choice food. But it was because of the stance that Daniel made that he said, this is what God has said and I will not go against that, that unlocked blessing for him in a kingdom that tried to destroy God in that country. Do you see that? Their whole agenda is to destroy what was known from the Israelites, what they had done and it served God. And in the midst of a country that was wicked, Daniel found favor with God because of the resolve that Daniel had. Guys, I believe that God's called us to have that same resolve as well in the way that we live, the way that we speak, the way that we vote. And I love what it says in 2 Chronicles 7.14 because I think it paints a picture of what will happen if you and I as believers take our place in these moments, in these times, and in these opportunities to engage with government like this. It says, if my people, so does he say if, uh, if the unbelievers, if the politicians, no, he says, if my people, disciples, me and you, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will what? Forgive their sin and heal their land. How many guys know our land needs healing in some ways? How many guys know we need unity in some ways? Guys, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and darkness. It's so clear that we aren't doing this to one another. There's, a, there's an underlying agenda. And there's a couple things that we do. We can ignore it. Like just ignore politics, turn it off, don't show up to, to vote, all that stuff. Uh, we can deny that it's, that it's even happening, that it really matters. I've kind of gone through all these stages of voting grief, if I'm honest. But we're called to engage with government in a godly way. In a godly way. And what does he say? I will forgive your sins and heal your land. Guys, our obedience to Christ, us getting the right people in positions, is just going to open up for God to heal and to touch the people in our state and in our country. Amen? We don't just talk about problems, but we proclaim the solution. We don't just talk about problems, we proclaim the solution. How many of you guys know it's real easy to complain about the problems? La la la, drugs, la la la, healthcare, la la la, government assistance, blah blah blah. It's so easy to just like get wrapped up in the moment and in the subject and forget that we are called to proclaim the answer to it all, which is Jesus Christ. Right? He is the answer to all the issues that we're facing, everything that we're seeing and coming against as a state and as a country. And God is really, he is attempting to line some things up, I believe, right now in this season of our state and our government. And he's calling us Christians to show up, to proclaim the solution, not only with our mouths, but with the way that we vote as well. I wrote this down. Make your prayers to heaven and your vote to the ballot. Pray for our nation, pray for those in need, but vote the non-negotiables that are in God's word. 
So I'm going to send you home with just a couple things to do that I just had on my heart that I really felt was God. And if you're uh, not from Kentucky, if you're a, a, a Hoosier, we welcome you and we love you. And you can participate in this too because we need all the prayer and help that we can get. Amen. We're in this thing together. Um, but I believe that God wanted me to encourage us to fast, to pray, and to vote. It doesn't have to be a full day, maybe a meal. But during that time when you fast, November 5th, Tuesday, November 5th is the election day. In between there, I want to encourage you, even if it's just a meal, a fasting. And we talked about this when we did our fast at the beginning of the year. But there's something powerful that happens when we um, get to keep something like food, something that's nourishing and that we need to live, that we take away from ourselves. And then we spend that time seeking God. Um, a lot of times where our natural things that God has called us to do bring spiritual results in our lives. And fasting is one of those things. But just fast, maybe a meal, if you want to do more, if you have on your heart to do more. But during that time, to pray for our state leading up to this election. To pray that God would, would make it clear to you. Um, I mentioned before, there's not much gray. It's, it, it's pretty black and white. But maybe that God would, would help you to understand what your opportunity is come voting time. Fast, pray, and then get involved at the box. I wrote this down. If we humble ourselves and do what only we can do, then God will reward us and do what we can't do. Isn't that what salvation is in and of itself? It's us just admitting to God that we're sinners and we want to spend our life following him and dedicating our life to him and admitting that we believe that he is the savior of the world and then he swoops in and throws our sins as far as the east is from the west and gives us a new way to live it's no different with this it's us doing what we can do speaking God's word living God's word voting God's word and allowing him through our obedience to come and do what we can't do to heal a nation to unite a nation to heal a state to unite a state, to thwart the plan of the enemy. How many of you guys know scripture says that no weapon formed or fashioned against us will prosper? I mean, you can take it a step further. No weapon formed or fashioned against the unborn babies in our state will prosper. Guys, these are the non-negotiables. These are the things that God's word is very clear and we have the opportunity to help bring our states, our communities, our country in line with God's word. Amen? Let me pray for you. God, we just thank you. It's, it's so clear to us that you love us, that you know what's best for us, and you have a plan set aside for us to live by, Father. Your ways are higher than our ways. Your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And it's all done out of your love for us. God, I pray that we would have a resolve come on the inside of us, Father God, just like Daniel in this story, a resolve that says, I will not cross that line. There are a lot of issues, but these non-negotiables I need to stand up for in the name of Jesus, that it would be like a fire shut up in my bones because these things that are non-negotiables, they're your gospel, Father God. They're to bring life, Lord, to children and to marriages and to families, Father God. You're aligning us with your word, that's the opportunity that we have. I pray that as we pray, as we fast, and as we vote, Father God, as we live out your word, as we take a stand on these non-negotiables, I pray that you would not only bless us 
fulfill us, heal us, but you would also begin to work in our communities, in our state, and in our country. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, we're going to receive tithing offering here um, right now, so we'll have a video to play. After that, we have something that we're going to hand out to you guys. Pastor Brooks going to talk about it for just a second, um, but it's just to help you guys coming up on November 5th to give you guys a little bit more insight on what the candidates look like. Maybe you don't keep up with it too much. Just a really simple tool done by a third party to help you guys out as we move into this election. Amen? In this election. Amen? In this election.